Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Sunrise. It's good to see you today. My name is Jeff. I'm filling in for Dan. He's off gallivanting on spring break, so good for him. He needs a break. I hope everybody had a good break as well, if you uh, have children or still recognize spring break being a thing. Um, We're going to sing some songs today, and there's not a ton of you, so you got to sing extra loud. That's all I'm going to ask. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. We thank you for being here today. We uh, say hello to everyone joining us online as well, and we are blessed that you're here. Go ahead and stand this morning, and uh, we're going to sing some songs. Let your mercy rise, let your hope resound, let your love in our hearts be found. Let your grace run free, let your name bring peace, heaven come in the be a church where freedom reigns we want to be a people full of grace we want to be a shelter where the broken find their place we want to be a refuge for the weak we want to be a light for the world to see we want to be a love that breaks the walls and fills the streets all are welcome here as we are as we are
faith arise. Let all agree. There's no power like the power of Jesus. I will believe for greater things. There's no power like the power of Jesus. Let faith arise. Let all agree. There's no power like the power of Jesus. right, Lord, as we sing those words, we ask you to open our hearts to the truth of that. There's nothing that you can't do, Lord. We put our trust in you. In a risen Lord, we put our trust. We pray that you will remain faithful. We know you will, God. We love you very much. In his name we pray, amen. You guys can have a seat. Good morning. It's good to see all of you here this morning on a...
pretty nice April day. The sun's out, so that's exciting. I like the progression of songs we just did. So that second song, we talked about how when we praise God, it takes away our anxiety. And then we spent the next song praising God. Isn't that, man, it's like someone planned that or something. So uh, it's, it's really easy to be anxious right now, especially, well, I've gotten up here and talked about anxiety before. I've got it. It's easy to be anxious. It's easy to worry. And there are so many things still to be concerned about. And one of the best ways to overcome that is by praising him and realizing that there is nothing our God can't do. And when we take those worries and those fears and we praise him instead, it's really hard to um, be worried when we are thinking that there's no power like the power of Jesus. So... Um, I appreciated that this morning. So whether you are joining us online or you're here with us or you're joining us online in Florida, we still like you, kind of. Um, we're, we are. We're very excited that you are here. And um, on the back of the chairs, there are QR codes that you can scan to get announcements. Or if you're here for the first time, there's a connection card you can fill out. We'd love to welcome you. If you're online, you can click the link. There's one there, too. And if you fill that out, we'd love to answer any questions you might have and send you a gift later this week. Now, the only announcement I have today is that there's wine and theology tomorrow night um, in my backyard. If you don't know where that is, find me or send an email to the church, and we'll get you the address. So that is all. We are now going to hand it over to Dan. Good morning, everybody. What a weekend, huh? We had Hudsonville girls basketball win state. Way to go. I don't know what that's like. I went to a tiny class or a school that was like class D. Um, And so we just looked up at the people who would win state and thought, you guys are amazing. And so right now I'm standing like that looking at Hudsonville girls saying, you guys are amazing. Way to go. Uh, of course, in contrast to that, at GVSU last night, there was a shooting, and we've got people in the hospital right now uh, who, one of them is in critical condition, still looking for a suspect, and we live in this world where there's, there's this great joy at the accomplishments that people have made, whether we've been a part of those accomplishments or we see them, and then we have the lows of being a part of the choices that people have made that have brought on us terrible consequences, whether we're the initial direct recipients of that Uh, Or we just live in a world where we can observe that and recognize how it brings up for us parts of our own lives that need to be fixed. And so uh, we at Sunrise want to create a space here uh, that falls in line with the story of Jesus that we've been covering over the last several weeks. Um, We celebrated Easter last weekend. And we, like the disciples, we walk away from the weekend when Jesus was crucified on a cross was literally resurrected again, and much like the disciples at that time did, I've got to believe that if we're paying attention, those realities bring up for us all kinds of questions. After Jesus was resurrected, it was the followers of Jesus who were both confident in the things that they believed, and so they felt as though the world had been made right inside because what Jesus was teaching had shown itself to be true. But they also lived in a world where there was still persecution, there was still killing, there were still difficult things happening, And so the disciples must have been wrestling through the teachings of Jesus, trying to remind themselves again of which way of life is the right way of living. How should we orient ourselves? And so at sunrise, that's exactly what we long to be. We we want to be a place that is continually transformed by God's grace and love, and a place that 
invests intentionally, both corporately and individually, to do the same in our community, to transform it with God's grace and love. So this morning, we come together again, praying that God would do just that. We sing songs celebrating that He has done those things for us in our lives. He's awakened us to His way of living, and we praise Him and tell Him that we want to keep our eyes on what you have taught us through your teachings, through your work on the cross, and in your resurrection. So we're glad that you're with us, whether it's the first time or you've been here a bunch of times. My name is Dan Fisher. It is a privilege to be here. The planning that went into the service to make sure that the songs that we did uh, actually kind of built on top of each other, that's done by Dan Dupuy. Uh, We have a great staff here at Sunrise that invests a lot to help us see Scripture, ourselves, and our world well. What I want to do is uh, talk about this idea of, of two kingdoms here. Uh, if you've been with us for a while, you, you've heard us use this language. Uh, two kingdoms, God's kingdom, the kingdom of the world, or the world that we live in and the values that it brings. And then also, <clears throat> this world that God ushers in through Jesus and his work on the cross. I want you to imagine for me, if you will, a world we live in where there are things like difficult pregnancies. Uh, we know people who were in the womb with a twin and came out by themselves. We know of people who have fought to be pregnant for many years and never became pregnant, or did become pregnant after investing lots of money and time and tears and asking lots of people to pray for them. We grew up in a world where there are bullies. I was framed once in elementary school. There was a kid who carved into the wooden playset at school Danny was here. I grew up watching Full House, so Danny was the cool name at that point. But I got called into the principal's office because Danny was here, was in that playground. Now that tells you something about the size of the school I went to. It was tiny. I was the only Dan, Danny, Daniel, whatever. I was framed though. I went to the principal and I said, I didn't put my name there. It's misspelled. There's only D-A-N-Y. Danny is D-A-N-N-Y. So that was an easy way for me to get out. But I was bullied. I'd have kids making those really cool-sounding kickball noises as the kickball hit the flesh of my skin (laughs) and bounced off. Some of you were bullied in school. Some of you are bullied right now. You're not valued for who you are. You're judged because you don't fit in in a certain way with the certain people who think you should be fitting in in a certain way with them. And then we get to the point of grades. Man, you've got to get good grades. If you don't get good grades, you might not get into the AP classes, and if you don't get into the AP classes, well, then you might not get where your parents want you to go, whether you want to get there or not. Stack on top of that, hobbies. Oh, man, you got to make sure you got the right hobbies. In the 90s, it was those little pogs, right? Before that, it was Atari. Now it's Twitch and all kinds of games, and maybe it's vaping or soccer, basketball, or theater, or whatever, and we fill our lives with a calendar that is so full of hobbies and different things like that, that internally as parents and even as students, we think to ourselves, why am I doing all of this? (laughs) This world that I'm in seems to be telling me that my identity is found in the things that I do. Then we add on top of that driving. Woo-hoo! Boy, that's a lot of fun when you're 16, you get that driver's license, you feel ready to go, but then you've got that parent in the passenger seat who's not quite ready for you to go. 
Or you're the parent in the passenger seat realizing your 16-year-old really isn't quite ready to go and you're imagining that they would wait until they were 18 or older to start driving. There's all kinds of tension in that, right? Because your kids can drive to the grocery store and they can pick up the stuff that you need for your shopping list and it's a great contribution for the family. Or they can hop in their car in the middle of the night and go to a party out in the woods and you have no idea where they are and they invest their time and their freedoms in doing things that are just difficult. And there's all kinds of tension in this world that we live in about what we can do with ourselves. And then you send your kids off to college. Or maybe not college. They jump right into a career. And you wrestle through as a student who's stepping out of high school or stepping past that GED and asking yourself, this is the game of life. Is it worth it for me to invest in college? Or is it not? People who go to college, most of us, we rack up all kinds of debt. And we wonder on the other side of school, are we going to make enough money to pay off that debt? And others of us who go into a trade or something else without college, we wonder, is there going to be a time in our careers where we'll be pushed out of the market because at some point, the world is going to require that there's a degree that we get in order to hang drywall or to install water heaters, and so on. Then, marriage. Okay, do we get married or do we not? Am I enough by myself? Well, yes, because I don't really want someone else's bad breath in the morning. Mine is enough by itself. But if I don't get married, then I don't really fit into the church. And a lot of the friends that I have who have gotten married may not be my friends anymore. And even through all of these stages of life, we can see and feel all of the time the difficulties of the world that we live in that has a prescribed way that we should live. And then once you're married, you have kids, or you don't, and your kids call you crazy things, like weak sauce. I've only heard about that story. I don't have a seven-year-old who called me that. Our kids break our hearts. They become bullies. They don't get the grades that we hope they will. Or they do, and they define themselves by their grades. And then they grow up, and they leave, and we rinse and repeat. And our kids have kids. And those kids have bullies or become bullies. And the grades and the hobbies, and it's just this cycle of a world that seems to be pulling us apart at so many places, throwing so many challenges in front of us, and if we can take the time to look through what it is the world is pushing us toward, we can see the values of the world that we live in. Value of independence. You have got to take a stand in this life where you can make it without the help of anyone else. We use phrases like, pick yourself up by the bootstraps. Make your own way. You've got to have competition. We value that, right? I mean, that is the very basic foundation of capitalism. There's got to be competition. You have to not just make the JV team, but you've also got to make varsity. You've got to make first team. It's not good enough for you to be a backstage helper for drama. You've got to be the person who gets the prime role. Time and efficiency. Man, don't spend too much time trying to figure out what you're going to do with your life. You are in sixth grade. And you need to know now what you're going to be pursuing in high school, what specialized classes that you're going to be taking, because those will determine the direction of your college career and all of that. So figure out what it is you're going to do with your life and become efficient in doing it, right? But privacy as well. Don't tell people that you're having a hard time juggling all of this. 
hold it in. Don't ask for help. Put on a good facade that communicates to everyone around you that you've got the good grades, that your children brush their teeth every night, and that you still floss your teeth more than just the two weeks before you go to the dentist so that you don't feel as guilty when they ask you if you have flossed your teeth. Pull the weeds out of your yard. Lower your voices when you're outside because the neighbors might hear you when you're arguing. All of these kinds of values only push us into a world that is further and further isolating us, causing anxiety and depression. And it is this kind of world that Jesus steps into. It's this kind of world in which Jesus, with his disciples, makes a statement like this. In Matthew 13, Jesus says, through the words of Matthew, Matthew writes it this way, he told them, Jesus told his disciples and the people who were surrounding them, another parable. A parable is a short story where you kind of dress up the world that you live in and you say it in such a way that if you're paying attention and you understand the experiences of life and you're a bit mature internally, not just with a higher number than someone else's your age, but if you pay attention, you can understand what's happening. And so this is the kind of story that Jesus says. He says, the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of this world, but the kingdom that I am going to establish on the cross and that I will establish in my resurrection, and that I want you as followers of mine to help develop looks like this. It's like a mustard seed, which a man took, a person took, and planted in their field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds come and perch in its branches. And so we have this picture that God's kingdom is like a little teeny tiny seed. God, we, <laughs> we are a people who live in a world with values that are not the values that you preached while you were here with your disciples. They are not the values that you highlighted as you told this story. As you even perhaps stood beside a mustard plant and plucked a seed from it to hold it and to help us understand what your world looks like. God, we ask that as we look at this passage, as we wrestle through what it might mean for us, that you would give us boldness, but that you would give us humility to follow you, give us trust to take our lives that are going in one direction towards the things that the world tells us that we need to pursue and to trust you enough to reorient our lives toward what you are calling us to in this picture. In Christ's name, amen. So we have this picture of God's kingdom. <clears throat> Many of us, if we don't know about mustard seeds, and we hear this story about it blossoming into a large tree where lots of birds come and find shelter, we imagine it to be like that tree, right? But it's not like that tree. In America, we cultivate mustard seeds. And so actually the mustard in this picture is those little teeny tiny plants, the yellow there on the bottom. In America, when we plant them, we cultivate them, we make them look beautiful, we manage them so that they look just right and professional. But this is not the kind of world that Jesus was in when he told this story. Jesus maybe was standing next to a mustard plant that looked like this. He's standing in a rocky place, a place where there's not a whole lot of vegetation in Israel. And all around is desert. 
Or maybe there's some life there, but he's close to the Sea of Galilee, where depending on where you stand, there's not a whole lot of life cropping up in the world. A mustard plant is a plant that actually grows pretty easily. I mean, even right now, if you go and buy a bag of bird seed, you'll have mustard seed in that bag. And some people realize several months after they've purchased bird seed, oh, look, that's a mustard plant. Here in the desert, as Jesus is talking with his disciples, if we see this picture of what's happening, we understand that Jesus does not have in mind a kingdom that produces a tree like this, or a really good-looking field like this, but instead, we have a kingdom in the form of a plant that grows up in the desert. This plant is something that is vulnerable. I don't know about you, but when I plant seeds in our yard, or you guys have planted grass seed over the spots in your yard that have become bare, you don't hear the ground and those seeds groaning. You don't hear them calling out to you, water me, water me, don't forget about me. No, these seeds are in the ground, they are vulnerable, and they are dependent on nature And the God of nature, through the form of rain, nutrients in the dirt, and the care of the humans that God have created in order for that vulnerable seed to become a plant. This plant, Jesus says, is something that sustains. It becomes a place where birds can come and find shelter. If there are birds flying around in the desert sun, like you're running around during preseason for football or soccer, you know that those birds need shade. If you don't have shade, even as a person, you get super hot, weary. You can't make it much longer. Some of you are really excited about summer. The sun shining brightly, the temperatures soaring. But people like me, we like the shade in the summer because I don't tan, I burn, and I collect polka dots all over my body. And so the idea of shade for me, the shade for birds, even the shade for you in the midst of a desert is a really nice thing. It protects the growth of a mustard plant, unless you put miracle grow on it, a man-made, not natural substance, is going to be a pretty slow growth. It's a, a slow-growing, naturally coming up as it is that God designs for it to come up and as the conditions are made right, that mustard seed slowly becomes a small plant. And it's vulnerable as it continues to grow and it's producing seeds for birds to be sustained. It's producing more and more branches where there can be shade and it grows into something large like this that attracts the eyes of anyone who's walking around in a dry world. It's also pretty easy to grow a mustard plant. If you were to go home with your kids today and get a mustard seed and plant it, it doesn't take a whole lot of work from humans to make that puppy grow pretty easy. 
You don't have to work really hard. There's no competition. There's no independence. There's no sense of privacy, of shielded off from everything else, because if it's not shielded, it's going to die. <laughs> if it's not protected from everything by, at all costs, then it's not going to grow. This is not the kind of plant where we have to do everything we can to be on a tight regimen of programming, of planning, of saying no to everything else in life in order to make it grow. This is also a plant that, not, that is not controlled. There wasn't somebody out in the desert cultivating this plant, watering it, putting up different uh, posts in the ground and strings to help prop it up to control where it would grow. No, it just was put there. Jesus says in this parable that this mustard seed is like is taken by a farmer who plants it in his field. It's not an accident that Jesus uses this idea of a field and as a farmer. What he's doing here is he's saying that all of us are cultivating a life that looks like something and we're going to plant seeds in our gardens of life. What are those seeds going to be? Jesus tells another parable where he talks about the gospel, the good news of Jesus is like a seed that's cast onto the ground and there are seeds that are cast onto hard ground, a hard field, onto a soft field, a a field that is overtaken with weeds, a field that is overtaken with rocks. And in that picture, what Jesus is saying is that the gospel, the good news of Jesus is being cast into the fields of our hearts and it is the condition of our hearts that will determine whether or not those seeds of faith grow. And so in this parable, when Jesus says a mustard seed taken by a farmer, taken by any person, put into their field, take that good news of Jesus, it will slowly grow. And that seed, that good news that Jesus and his kingdom are what brings life, puts us in a place where we become vulnerable. It puts us in a place where we are sustained most by that seed, where we are people who are protected by that seed. And in our lives, we cannot control how quickly we grow in our understanding of God. We can certainly invest ourselves in the right things to help that seed grow, but most times that growth is slow. And contrary to to popular opinion, that growth is easy. Remember, Jesus says that his yoke is easy, his burden is light, and even as we wrestle with that concept, that growing in the way of Jesus is easy, our hearts and our minds can feel that tension between the world that says, no, you've got to work harder and harder and harder and harder for God, and the world where we're told that we just need to, in the words of John, abide. At sunrise, we've said, we've taken all of these thoughts and we've created five pillars. We've said that the five pillars, the values that we want to obtain, that we want to uh, sustain, that we want to pursue, is in contrast to the world. We want to be a place that is biblical, where we come back again and again to that seed that is planted in our hearts, that is written as text, as God's word to us, so that we can orient our minds and our lives in the way of God's kingdom and not in the way of the world that we live in. We want to be evangelistic. We want to tell people, look, there is shade to be found in the tree of God. We want to be authentic. 
We want to be a people who are able to say, look, I didn't pass high school. I got a GED. I don't have all of life figured out. And to be able to say that in a place where the people around you are not going to punch you in the gut and say, if you only would have worked harder. To be able to get through this pandemic and not have someone help you feel guilty by saying, if you didn't use all of this time to gain a new skill, then you've wasted your life. How many of you have heard that? It's an expression of the world that says you have got to work hard. You have got to always be moving forward. There is a competition going on, and it is your job during the difficult times of life to show that you are stronger and better than your neighbors. What if we instead said, as a people of God, it's okay to be authentic? It's okay to say right now, I am here under this tree of shade because I am parched, because I am sunburnt. What if we were people who, when we found those who said that toward them, we were compassionate? We helped them find and be sustained by the seeds that are growing on the plant that God has put inside of us. What if we responded to what God has been doing in our lives and the fact that we are broken with thankfulness by singing songs like we sang this morning, celebrating his goodness in the midst of a world that gives us all kinds of reasons to be distracted from that goodness. What we find out then is that in contrast, and I think Jesus is pointing this out in a subtle way through this parable, is that the world that we live in, again, the values are independence, competition, time, and efficiency, and privacy. And the world that Jesus is introducing to us that feels upside down, is a world that is biblical, that is evangelistic, that is authentic, that is compassionate, that is faithful. Or if you want to flip it and make it mirror, specifically interact with those world values below, we are an interdependent community. That mustard plant produces seeds that birds need to come and eat so that it can produce more. The birds that come to the tree need that seed to be produced. There is, a co- there is an interdependency there. Instead of competition, there is a celebration that we are family. Instead of time and efficiency, we are focused on people and on patience and love, joy, peace. Instead of privacy where we feel like we have to hold it all in, we can let it out. We can be our true selves. But what that means is <laughs> that we live in a world, if we want to live as followers of Jesus, if we want to be the church, then in the world that we live in, we look upside down. <laughs> Our values don't align with the way the world says your life looks right side up. You are right side up if you have a certain amount of money in your bank account. You are right side up if you get a certain kind of grade. You are right side up if you have a Highlander in your driveway. You are right side up up if you have someone who cleans your house. And what we have to do as followers of Jesus and what the invitation of the cross is for all of us is to realize that it is the values of God's kingdom that are right side up in a world that is upside down. It is not Pfizer or Moderna or Johnson and Johnson or the Republicans or the Democrats or the Independents or your grandpa or the Reformed Church or an Independent Church or really great bands 
who created the world and determined what is objectively good and not good, that was God. And so any group of people who are going to come together and say, these are the things that are most important, these are the values that we need to follow, if they are not in alignment with what Jesus taught and what he lived and died and was resurrected for, then those values are upside down in a world where God invites us to live right side up. And so this picture, this idea of a parable that God's kingdom is like a mustard seed, it's teeny tiny, and when it's put into the ground of our hearts, it grows slowly. It invites us to become vulnerable. That gospel, that good news, that hope that the world that we live in is not the way that we should be has to be fully anchored into us if we are going to walk through life where there are so many challenges with any kind of grace, with any kind of confidence. So as we land this plane, basically what this means is that it is not our job to work hard. It is not our job to be independent. It is not our job to be efficient and to make sure that we're getting from point A to point B as directly as possible. And if there's nothing else that helps us see that, it's all of these stories. (laughs) There is no direct line where God says, okay, from Adam and Eve to the summation of the kingdom, it's just a straight line. No, (laughs) it is the... The way of life that any kind of progress looks like moving up to the right but then all the way back down and going all over the place to finally get to the point where we've gotten where God wants us to be. It was the Israelites who wandered in the desert for 40 years. They didn't hop into a nice big SUV with a GPS and follow Jesus in such a way that it was like Siri saying, turn left here, go right there, and you're going to get to this destination right away. So we don't have to work hard to have a life that looks like this. We don't have to be a people who live our lives in such a way that's what's most important is to have a house with no weeds, a house with really pretty plants that you don't even know the name of, and really cool-looking clay shingles. It's okay if we have a house that looks like this, that needs a little bit of help, that isn't what catches most people's eyes. We don't have to be a family who takes pictures like this. We don't need to be a church that's perfectly polished. We can be a family that takes pictures that end up like this. It's okay to be a family where your kids push you away sometimes. It's okay for you to live a life where you don't have everything figured out. It's okay if you're the bird who's coming to the mustard plant that looks like this. (laughs) But it's not your job to clean yourself up enough to be able to parrot the words that you're supposed to, to be beautiful enough. You don't need to do that. You can come to the mustard seed plant looking like this. Not having everything figured out. You can be a person who comes to and hears the gospel of Jesus and embraces it when your life is not put together and you have been bruised and you have been beaten 
by the hot sun and the elements of the world, and maybe you have found yourself someone who has been beaten up by those who have said that they're under that mustard seed themselves. You don't have to be all put together. And I think that this is what Jesus is teaching. When Jesus says in this parable, the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. It's not like a really big corporate mall that everybody's attracted to. It's like a seed that a lot of people don't even take the time to see. If you're a person who takes that mustard seed and you plant it in your field, though it's small of all seeds, it looks like it's not going to do for you what you hope it will do. It is something that will grow large enough that it'll almost become a tree. It's big enough, it's strong enough so that birds, beautiful, not beautiful, injured or not, can come and perch in its branches. God, we come to you this morning as people who recognize that we, we need you. We need the branches of safety, of protection that you offer. We want to be a community of people who, when we come together, don't feel a sense of competition, where it matters most how much we give or how much we do or don't swear or how many times we have or haven't gotten tattoos or how many times we have or have not made awful decisions. But God, we want to be a place where when we come together, we're sustained by you. Where we find shade, where we find sustenance. God, this is a difficult thing for us to embrace. I mean, for us to do this, this means we have to live a life like you did, where you notice the people who have been injured, where you bring food and relief to the thousands of people who need it, where you say that the way to become great is become insignificant. And so, God, we pray that as we take the time over these next few weeks to look at your word, to become acquainted again with what your way of life looks like, that we would be humble enough to accept it, to let it bury itself deep into our hearts, that we would be patient enough to let it take root, and that we would be bold enough to become an expression of that kingdom, of your goodness in a world and a desert around us that needs your shade. God, we love you, and it's because of you that we sing songs, that we come together and we look at your word, and we try to be more like you. In Christ's name, amen. At the end of every service, we give folks an opportunity to give financially. People like to invest in the church by volunteering, by praying, by giving. And so we want to make sure that you can do that whether you've planned on that or not. Um, there's a way that you can give electronically. You can scan the QR code that's either up on the screen or the chairs in front of you. There should be a link that shows up for those of you who are watching online that you can click on. When you give, you're helping us make sure that our students have what they need when they get together with Tanner. You're helping us make sure that the kids have what they need back in their spaces so that things are sanitized well for them. They have content when they're age-appropriate and they need that content to help them see and to celebrate the shade that God brings. You help us take care of practical needs too. So we ask that you would give and that you, God asks us to give cheerfully. Like we've said before, you don't have to give cheerfully. We will accept any dollar that you give. If you're grumpy about it too, that's okay. We can still use it. 
But we do all of these things. We pray, we come together, we look at God's word, all as an expression to tell him that we trust him and that it's his kingdom that we want to invest our lives in. Let's sing one more song and we'll wrap things up. we pray be the father let those who lost their way be understood for the widow and the broken be the lover who will hold them for we know that you are God and you are good so we know that you are God you are Go ahead and stand with us. For those who mourn, for those who mourn today, be a comfort. Who hunger after you, be satisfied. For you bless the poor in spirit, for heaven is their kingdom. We know that you are God and you are good. Yes, we know that you are God and you are good. You are God. You're the risen King. You are good. Lord of everything. No mountain, no from your love cause you are God and you are good yes we know that you are God and you are good as we look upon your word God give us vision Restore us by the power of your blood. Would you come now, Holy Spirit, as we whisper, let us hear it. For we know that you are God and you are good. Yes, we know that you are God and you are good. Sing it out. You are God. You're the from your love cause you are God and you are good yes we know that you are God and you are
can pour out your spirit Jesus our hearts are open come now in power and let our chains be broken pour out your spirit Jesus our hearts are open come now in power and let our chains be broken pour out your spirit Jesus our hearts are open come now in power and let our chains be broken pour out your spirit Jesus our hearts are May we, as people who follow a God who asks us to live upside down and a right, to live right side up <laughs> in an upside down world, God, would you grant us the peace and the grace to demand only of ourselves and the people around us what it is that you demand of us, to come to you for shade and relief and to offer that to others. May the God who has done just that for us go with you this week as you seek to do that for those around you. Sunrise, we love you, and we'll see you next week.